What's going on, guys? Welcome to Clear Out. I am your host, Nihal Qatar, and I'm joined today and always by my brother Sahil. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited to start this. Yeah, man, me too. So just a little background for the listeners out there. We had a soccer podcast for many years. Uh, we had a really good run, and it might still be running. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, we had Landon Donovan on, uh, name <laughs> drop. Uh, but that was a lot of fun, but we've been starting to get more, well, we got more into basketball. Uh, we are both massive Milwaukee Bucks fans. Our family's from Milwaukee. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're just excited. to. We're in a basketball mood. How couldn't we be? Yeah. Based on the last month and the last few years in Milwaukee. But we really have been watching the whole league and keeping up with it. And we, you know, we wanted to share our thoughts and, and get some thoughts from you guys, the listeners as well. Yeah, I think... Our whole lives, we've been at least casual basketball fans, but I think since that 18-19 season when the Bucks won 60 games for the first time, we started paying attention to the league more broadly. And, you know, since we already had experience podcasting and we've been watching so much basketball, it felt only right to get on here and, and try this out. So I'm excited. Yeah, it was really just like, you know, the intersection of the U.S. men's national team failing to qualify for the World Cup <laughs> and the ascent of Giannis. <laughs> they really collided. Giannis' first MVP. Yeah. Exactly. They exactly. both came together. Uh, we do have a Twitter account. Make sure you go follow us at Clear Out Podcast. You can also email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your thoughts on today's episode, any questions you might have. We are really looking for some fan interaction, and we want to highlight you guys, too, and, and what you guys think. So... Why don't we get started? So today we are going to be talking about the offseason. Some moves we liked, some moves we didn't like, and more realistically, the moves we're confused about. Um, we're not going to, you know, we're going to frame it as moves that we like or dislike, but really we're going to be discussing a team's, a given team's offseason. Um, we're right. not necessarily making, you know, sweeping <laughs> Exactly, because that's not what, that's not how the NBA works, you know. There are people who know what they're doing in charge of these moves, usually. <laughs> and, well, <laughs> and, and I mean, the the chances are it's going to be a complicated story, you know, with each move here. Absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we get right into it? What is the first story you would like to talk about? So I'm going to start negative, which you know <laughs> doesn't seem that fun. But I thought I would talk about the New Orleans Pelicans getting rid of Lonzo Ball, rather you know not matching him and trading and doing a sign and trade with him, and instead trading a first round pick for Devontae Graham to fill in that point guard slash, I mean, Lonzo was really a combo guard, but fill in that guard role. And I don't I don't like this move. I really don't like this move. I think if you look at your future, if you're New Orleans, you look at Zion Williamson, probably has the potential to be one of the greatest players in the game, like right now. And his weaknesses are obviously defensive, and you need to build a defense around him to do that. And you need to provide shooting around him, because obviously Zion can't shoot. So you got to space the floor for him. And Lonzo Ball did both of those things pretty well. Solid defender, um, particularly particularly off ball, good shooter, and you know everyone kind of thinks the shooting is going to come and go, but he's been doing it. I think two straight seasons now, shooting at a high clip and a high percentage. So, um, and I mean Lonzo and Zion in transition, they were a monster. The Pelicans had a one sixteen offensive rating in transition with Lonzo on the court, and we know with Lonzo's transition ability and Zion's finishing ability. Alonzo's transition passing ability and uh, Zion's transition finishing ability, how dangerous that can be. So those are my first thoughts on that. I, I did not like what the Pelicans did with that guard spot. Absolutely. Uh, Devontae, it's just weird to me. Like you mentioned, Devontae Graham, not a great defender, has never 
well, I mean, he obviously has never been an elite player or even close to an elite player on a good team. Um, and I don't know, man. It was just really odd. I, You know, they did get off the Eric Bledsoe contract, which is good, um, I guess. Also got off the Stephen Adams contract. And I was going to say, yep. they got off the Stephen Adams contract. And Adams makes sense because, as you alluded to, Zion has defensive weaknesses. So they want – I think you do need a center who can play defense um, and, and guard another team's bigs. But uh, you also need that center to be able to spread the floor. And I think Valanchunas, who they did trade for, does a better job of that. And I think yeah. he's going to have to, He's a very low-volume three-point shooter. But when he does shoot, I mean, he shoots it decently well. So he's just going to have to do that a lot more this season for he this is. to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the other thing was Memphis was able to get a much better haul for Eric Bledsoe, whereas the Pelicans had to move down in the draft to get off of Eric Bledsoe's contract that's true so yeah. you know i don't know what 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 uh, david griffin's doing down there but um <laughs> i i hate to say it because you know small market solidarity but it feels like it feels like zion is is ripe for a move i mean and it's it's the way he's been talking to a little bit i mean we heard those yeah. madison square garden you know we're not gonna completely speculate the pelicans have a lot of times mm-hmm. it's a lot of time to right their wrongs and make a good you know roster around him we all expect zion to uh sign that extension when it comes time but um, I agree with you. I think Valanciunas is a better fit, still not a great fit, still limited defensively. You know, ideally you would want someone with Zion who can do a little bit of everything defensively. And yeah, like you said, he's going to need to take up that volume. Um, and I thought, you know, they had a chance this offseason to maybe think about moving Brandon Ingram, who mm-hmm. probably has the highest trade value after Zion on the team. And I never have really loved the fit. It seems like they both, especially since last year, love the ball in their hands. You know, Zion got you know, point Zion, he kind of got the ball in his hands way more. And I think Brandon Ingram could be better off himself elsewhere. And Zion could be better off maybe with someone who compliments him a little bit better. So um, also we'll see if he's a potential deadline guy or we'll see where Brandon Ingram goes. But um, yeah, I I thought, I thought they had a chance to make a move there while his value is still relatively high. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I'm going to, again, try to keep, I'm going to try to look at some of the positives they did. Um, I think bringing Josh Hart, back was smart i mean it was it was a bigger contract than i think you would have liked to give but i mean you kind of have to go all in at this point and keep the players that you can keep or i guess that you want to keep so that was a good move i really did like their their draft pick trey murphy he's a really good shooter and like you just alluded to brandon ingram he can shoot but he doesn't like to shoot the three he's a ball dominant you know forward who likes to shoot mid-range shots um so i think being able to spread out the floor a little bit more with trey murphy uh, will be quite helpful for them, honestly. Uh, we'll see how much he plays, but yeah. um, I think I think that's a nice little pickup for them with the 17th pick in the draft. Um, yeah. Anything else on the Pelicans? Yeah, I mean, I think if there's... Devontae Graham, you know, actually kind of... he's I, I obviously wasn't a huge fan of him coming to the Pelicans, but he is kind of fun to watch. Shoots a lot of threes, can't mm-hmm. do a whole lot else, but I think he could help in those non-Zion minutes. Last year, those the minutes of Zion on the bench did not go well for the Pelicans. I think Devontae Graham could give just a bit of spark and aggression that the Pel- those Pelicans bench units might need. So Absolutely. And we did not mention that the uh, Pelicans did fire Stan Van Gundy. Yes. And they did yes. hire Willie Green. Um, so I'm interested to see how that turns out and, and to see if uh, Willie Green... Will will do a good job, which is crazy. I can't believe Willie Green's already coaching. <laughs> he, he played. He was playing like five years yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, I do like the you know going for a higher upside. You know, Stan Van Gundy. We kind of know who he is. Probably wasn't going to be any world beating coach or develop into one over the next few years. So I like that approach. But 
there's a lot to fix in New Orleans. Well, yeah, and I think he and Brandon Ingram did not have the greatest relationship. So yeah. maybe, hopefully, Willie Green can unlock Brandon Ingram a little bit more um, and allow him to play with Zion a little bit better. I would not be surprised if that is a deadline move they make this year. If they do trade Brandon Ingram and try to bring a bigger haul, I could see them being like five games under 500, like chasing a play-in spot and then being like, okay, what can we do? Trade Brandon Ingram and try to get... Um, Try to get some players in, multiple players in. Oh my god, can you imagine if they're the Ben Simmons team? (laughs) That would be such a terrible fit, but maybe it could happen. (laughs) Please don't go down that road. I want the Pelicans to succeed. Uh, Uh, um, Yeah, I want the Pelicans to succeed, so Ben Simmons is not the way to do that. I could also honestly see them trading Devontae Graham. Maybe some contender would want him off the bench. For sure. I I could see him going to the Lakers or something if they can put together a package, which they can't, but... (laughs) They could try. They, they always try. do. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the Lakers, why don't we go right into the next team, the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, everyone talks about the Los Angeles Lakers. I think, I hope we talk about the Lakers less than other basketball podcasts, <laughs> but... When they do stuff like this, it's hard not to talk about it. I that. know, the, their offseason, <laughs> their offseason's just weird to me. You know, obviously the, the biggest headline for them was acquiring Russell Westbrook, um, and in the process, they lost um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma. Um, Alex and, Caruso. Well, Alex Caruso left. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex Caruso left the Bulls, but I believe Montrezl Harrell yeah, was in Yeah, that the, was also in that Washington trade. Yeah, yeah Montrezl Har- Harrell was in, in the Wizards trade. So you, you lose three core rotation pieces um, in, in the Wizards trade, and you get back Russell Westbrook. You also lose Alex Caruso for some reason. Um you know, I think Alex Caruso is, is massively overrated, but um, he's still good. Like, he's very good. Okay, you know what? I shouldn't say massively overrated. He's like he's kind of like Brian Scalabrini, except he can play. Um, <laughs> I think he's just overhyped. Overrated. Sure, yeah. Maybe not overrated. Sure, it's yeah. like a joke. It's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but no, he is a good defender. He's a good shooter. Uh, they let Dennis Schroeder walk. Um, but I, I bet you if they... I bet you they might have offered him... Um, an MOE deal, but he, he just didn't want to accept it from them. Right. Um, but after losing out on that much money that he was offered. Before right. Right. They, you know, they, they acquired Russell Westbrook, as I said, who, I mean, you guys, the listeners will get to know this. I am a huge, huge Russell Westbrook hater. <laughs> um, just his game. I actually think, I think his leadership and like his locker room presence is kind of, I feel like there's there has been a narrative. There, there are like two competing narratives that, that he's like this great teammate, or he like drives people away. I think people who tend to know Russell Westbrook think he's a great teammate. Right. Um. So I I think just on the on the court, I just don't really understand it. He can't shoot. He's super inefficient. He's a terrible defender. He's going to dominate the ball. He's going to want to dominate the ball when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and you know I mean I just. Can you imagine if they, I bet you, they play a lineup from time to time of Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, who they also signed, <laughs> LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard, who they also signed. I mean, I could definitely see them rolling that lineup out, and that sounds awful to me. Um, so I, I just don't think they improve their team. And everyone's talking about, well, what's really grinding my gears is people say this big three is better than the Bucks' big three. That's ridiculous. Their big two is better than the Bucks' big two, but <laughs> that's that's the best big two in the league. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I mean, I think Katie James Harden's pretty good. That's pretty good, but but um, yeah, I mean, 
just confusing. I'll let you. What, what are your thoughts on on their offseason? I think the thing here is that it's it's not like you're saying that the Lakers are going to suck next year. No, they're not, not going to win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But what matters is what's going to happen in the playoffs. And do you want Russell Westbrook in the playoffs? Because as he's he, he's shown very little over the last few years to show that he's a reliable player in the playoffs. And do you want him on the court specifically dominating the ball? It's the volume of shots that he could take up from not only LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but the players, the shooters that they got that LeBron can create for, who are better off taking those those three-point shots or those mid-range shots to space around that pick and roll of LeBron and AD, if when they do that, or you know the AD LeBron post-ups or whatever the case may be, there's just better shots to be taken than a lot of the ones Westbrook take, takes. Now, I mean, I think that Westbrook's going to help them win a lot in the regular season. He's always had a great motor. You can never question his effort. And I think that the non-LeBron Russell Westbrook minutes will do just fine. Yeah. But I do think if we're talking at this point, you know, Lakers are NBA champions. You have to judge based on how well they do in the playoffs. I don't think this is a this is a move that uh, makes them better in the playoffs. The Russell Westbrook. Well, they're not NBA play. champions, but they were NBA champions. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were. NBA but champions. you know, uh, yeah, I mean, and they. You know, I should mention the other acquisitions they made. Um, they did sign Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, um, and they also got Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. So, like, some nice players, but, like, I, I don't really understand it. Um, they're going to be just far worse defensively. For sure. I mean, I think, I think looking at it, their best crunch time playoff lineup might be, I don't know, Nunn, Monk, LeBron... I don't know. AD? I mean, who was no, it? They, they do still have Marcus Soule. So I think he could be an important piece. Well, I think he's going to have to play a lot of five if AD doesn't want to play the five. I really think they should be playing AD as much as possible at the five. Given their, given like Russell Westbrook and his spacing limitations, it would be, you should want another shooter out there. But if you're going to play a five um, and Russell Westbrook, I would, I would prefer Marcus Soule. Well, oh, yeah, I, I agree. But Mark Stein was reporting today that Marcus Soule is... Not a lock to return to the Lakers this season. Okay. So, you know, it's... I, I I just don't know. I don't know. I I keep on saying I don't know. But, like, the team doesn't make sense. The team should be a team that spaces the floor and your best lineup is with AD at the five and LeBron being your main facilitator. And right now, looking at this team... The lineup that they could run out to do that in is, like I was saying, LeBron, AD, Malik Monk, Mello, and none. Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington. Like, those are a lot of, like, nice players (laughs) that I think will, they will probably get, like, 55 wins at least. Um, But in the playoffs, I just think those players are good in theory. Trevor Ariza got played off the floor this year in the playoffs. Like, he's not, he's not who he was even two years ago. Um... Kendrick Nunn basically was benched this playoffs by, yeah. by the Heat. So the year before, he didn't play in the playoffs at all, really. Right. Behind Goran Dragic. Right. So, you know, it's these players, they sound good in theory, especially, and it, but it just doesn't make sense in my opinion. So why don't we, can we take it somewhere positive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I just, just to cap that off, yes, the Lakers are still going to be very good. I think they're still... It's tough to say because I think some other teams in the West did get worse, which we'll probably get to a little later. But, um, I mean, partially just due to just, like, Kawhi's injury. Jamal Murray's going to be hurt for most of the season, presumably. 
things like that. So the Lakers still do have a chance to be Western Conference champions and all that, but this team is not as good as the championship winning team, in my opinion. No, absolutely. And I think we can both agree on that. Absolutely not. Um, okay, a moves. Speaking of Jamal Murray, who I didn't, you know, directly speak about just now, but <laughs> a few <laughs> seconds ago I did. The Denver Nuggets um, signed Jeff Green mm-hmm. to a two million or two-year, ten million dollar contract, and I do really love this fit. I love giving Nikola Jokic some great shooters, puts defenses in really tricky positions of whether they want to double team him in post ups or um, let him go one on one and just kill anyone in the post and. Um, Jeff Green shot 41% from three last year, and I think that's going to tick a little bit back down. He's not that good of a three-point shooter, but if if someone's going to make his three-point percentage better, I could totally see it being Jokic, the way he can find guys around that three-point line. And I think, you know, Jokic, you think about his weaknesses defensively um, in the playoffs, it's going to be nice to have a player get more defense out there with players like Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon. Um, I mean, it's still not a great defensive lineup that that they're really throwing out there. I mean... Aaron Gordon does need to still improve. He has the body, but he needs to improve just defensively, get more experience playing in for like a real team. But I think that that is a it's a really it's a really smart addition, and I love a closing five of Nikola Jokic, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, and Jamal Murray. That that's up there with some of the best closing fives in the league, particularly offensively. Uh, yeah, I would say only offensively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but actually, this this move was on. Um, my list as well. Uh, I I I really really like this move, and like you said, they do lack a little bit defensively. Michael Porter is not a great defender. Um, Jamal Murray, honestly, I don't I don't really know. Um, I, I haven't really watched him that closely defensively, so I don't know what how good he is. But um, I've seen I've seen people say he's a minus defender. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. Um, and I think Jokic is actually pretty underrated on defense. Honestly. Yeah, I, I think he's underrated on defense, but he does, just because I think the center position is very valuable to creating a championship defense, I think he does put a hard ceiling. And that's where I am worried about just Denver and Jokic in the future. I think Jokic is like a top, top, I mean, I I, I'm, I don't know the list off the top of my head, but he's a top five, six, seven, or whatever, somewhere in that range player in the NBA. But I do think, you know, you've had Anthony Davis, you've had Giannis, you've had Marcus Sowell these last few years, Draymond Green at that five position, kind of um, anchoring these playoff defenses. I do think it's important to have a five that's flexible, and you really can't switch with Jokic. And I'm, I, I, that's, my, that's my, one of my, I think, hotter takes. I'm not sure if Nikola Jokic is a good enough, is a good enough player, like number one, I guess you could say theoretically, but to be the best player on a championship team. I disagree with that. Um, not that we really need to get into it. I just, I just think that he needs to be. If he's complimented better, he could be the right. number one player on a championship team. You know, Giannis is not a number one on a championship team without a, a player like Chris Middleton, um, or really, you know, the, the team that he had. Well, maybe not. But Giannis is better. I think Giannis, but Giannis could be complimented in a variety of ways. Right. Right. I think Jokic. It's just hard because Jokic. Is obviously you need to play him at the end of games, but so many times you see that center position change in that closing lineup. True. That it just you you're always going to be weak there, and you're never going to be able to switch with him. So I think it's not a disaster, and like you said, he's an underrated defender. He's not he's not that bad, but is he good enough at that important position to win a championship? Does he give you limitations? Like yes, yeah, I think so. Right, and it'll be interesting to see what what they're like this year, the Nuggets. Um, you know, when if and when Jamal Murray comes back, what does he look like? I mean, that's really 
that's really going to determine how good they are um, this year. But, you know, they, they do have the reigning MVP. For some reason, an MVP that went completely under the radar. I don't really know <laughs> why. I felt like no one was talking about it. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I, we'll see. And, you know, I think, you know, some people, you might think, okay, like your best bet to stopping that Jokic post-up or that two-man game with Murray and um, and Jokic is double off of Aaron Gordon, right? He's the weakest shooter, but then he's also such a smart cutter and obviously a lob threat. And he's just a more dynamic player offensively than just, you know, being limited to just standing and shooting. So um, I really like that offense uh, that they're going to be able to put out there. And I think they're going to be a very high seed in the West this year and win a lot of games. I, I think so too. I think that he definitely will be. Uh, who do you got next? You know, go good or bad? I I really, really love this move, and that is Otto Porter going to the Warriors. Um, I think he's someone that you can play in a lineup with Draymond at the five, still have size, still have really good shooting, and still having a decent defender on the floor. Um, you know, a lot of people were excited about seeing Kelly Oubre in Golden State. I was not, and I think I was right on that. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, but Otto Porter Jr. is, in my opinion, a much better version of what Kelly Kelly Oubre, what they wanted Kelly Oubre, Oubre to be. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of this move, um, and uh, I'm curious to see what you think about it. He only played like 20-some-odd games last season. I think only three in Orlando. Everyone thought he was going to get bought out. He didn't. Um, so we'll see what he looks like at the beginning of the season, but I think in the playoffs, he's going to be extremely valuable for, uh, the, the Warriors. Um, do, do you remember the contract on that? Um, let me pull it up. Um, but I mean, yeah, I yeah, mean, one year, 2.4 million. Yeah. Okay. So close to a minimum contract. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Then I think it's a very, you know, low risk move and could bring a lot of pot- uh, potential upside. I mean, Otto Porter, we know he's a talented guy. He just hasn't been able to get on the court the last few years. And I do like that look. Um, gives you kind of some insurance because we're not really sure at that wing forward spot if Jonathan Kaminga is going to really be able to contribute this year. Um, but I think their biggest, the Warriors' biggest move, um, hopefully, is going to be Clay Thompson back. Hopefully, he can look really good, um, and they can be a very dangerous team. But yeah, I, I love I love that move. I think he can definitely, you know, seeing who they were throwing out in in these playing games last year. I mean, I like Juan Juan Anderson. <laughs> Um, I lo- like Jordan Poole's fine, um, but like I think Otto Porter could potentially, if he's healthy, just have a higher floor than those guys, honestly. And um, yeah, I think I think that was a good move that I wasn't thinking about, but that that was a good that was a good pick. Uh, yeah, and Kaminga will be interesting to see. I think Moses Moody is going to have a lot bigger impact this year um, on, on the Warriors in terms of their rookies. Yeah, for sure. But I, I just think you know with. But with Clay and Steph on the floor, it's Otto Otto Porter Jr. has never been on a team like that, where he can, where his usage rate's not going to be super high, and he can just do what he does best, which is shoot and and score when you know, in limited situations, um, and and by limited I mean just not being your number one or number two scorer on the team. Right. Um. So I I'm I'm really excited to see how he turns out. And it, it is mean, a minimum contract. Even if those are his tendencies, I mean, we've seen with Steve Kerr, you don't really get to do that that much right. on the Warriors. I mean, even Andrew Wiggins last year. I mean, we've seen I think a lot of improvement from Andrew Wiggins defensively, probably more so, but even offensively, you can't. There's not going to be much ball watching in Golden State with the way Steve Kerr runs his motion offense and. And sometimes that's to a detriment if you want to see more Steph Curry pick and roll like a lot of us do. But um, 
definitely, I think Otto Porter is going to be pushed in that way. Absolutely. Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Otto Porter, and Draymond. I mean, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do with James Wiseman because... Oh, I uh, forgot. I forgot <laughs> about James Wiseman. <laughs> He's a player that, I mean, I don't think a lot of people can be high on right now, but obviously still very young, but they're contending right now. And I feel like it might make sense to move him because I don't think you're going to have time and uh, to groom him into the player that he needs to be to be productive yeah. uh, on a contending team. I, I, I completely agree. What else you got? Um, okay, let's go uh, a little negative uh, to counteract that. Um, DeMar DeRozan to the Bulls. So I kind of get the Caruso. I, I do get the Caruso and Lonzo additions. I like adding defense around Vucevic and Levine. Those are their biggest weaknesses. I like those players who can fit in multiple kinds of lineups. And But the DeRozan, I just, I just don't get the DeRozan fit that much. I... The Bulls last year were already sixth in the league in mid-range shots taken, and DeRozan is probably going to put them up to number one next year. I mean, DeRozan is just a super, super high-usage guy, and when you have talent like Levine, you still have Kobe White, um, you still have, you have Vucevic, of course, you don't really need another high-volume scorer, a high-usage guy, and you just need to put defense... I think the basis of this team should be um, putting defense and shooting around that Levine-Vucevic pick-and-roll... And DeRozan is obviously not going to do that for you. He's going to help you in some clutch situations. He's going to win some games for you. But in the playoffs, I just don't like the kinds of lineups they're going to be putting together if DeRozan's in in those crunch time lineups. Absolutely. Just another confusing series of moves for me, going back to the Vucevic trade. Yeah. Um, You know, I remember (sighs) texting you when it happened. Why? Like... (laughs) Why are you trading, what was it, two first-round picks? Two for, and Wendell Carter, right? Yeah, and Wendell, well, I mean, whatever. But yeah. And Wendell Carter for... I think there was one other player, too. I can't remember what's on my head. Probably. Um, for Vucevic. Like, I just, I don't get it. I mean, you have two stars on... Your two best players are, are horrific on defense. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just... You know, what, we, what you were talking about with Jokic... That's multiplied by of a hundred with Vucevic because he just doesn't give you the offensive upside. He's a great offensive player, but he just doesn't give you the offensive upside right. in terms of right. creation. You don't want your offense built. You know, Jokic is an offense unto himself. Vucevic is right is like an average offense unto right. himself. Right. <laughs> I mean, could I see like you know having to guard a DeRozan, Levine, slash Vucevic like pick and roll? That's going to be hard to guard. I mean, it's going to be difficult to guard, and they're going to be hard out in the regular season. But I think they're going to be really easy to score on. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. We've seen the last few years how important defense is in, in the playoffs. Yeah. And how if you can't stop anyone, you're going to lose. And they really don't have a player who can facilitate, I want to say. I mean, they have Lonzo. Lonzo's a good passer. But he's he, not. He's not freaking Magic Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he, he turned into you know a three and D off the ball guy in New right. Orleans, and we figured out that's his best role. He can play, make, and transition, but in the half court, you don't want him. You don't want him as your primary ball handler, right? Ever really? I mean, most of the time, at least. Right, and and what happens? I mean, what happens to Kobe White? Like we said, I mean, he's also just a terrible defender, and. Um, I, I think a lot of burden gets put on Patrick Williams. I mean, Patrick Williams mm-hmm. has a tremendous defensive upside. Good shooter, low volume shooter right now. He needs to get that volume up, I think, next year. But he's a, he's a, he's a pretty exciting player. Had a good rookie season last year, and he, he's going to need to <laughs> carry this defense. Absolutely. 
I mean, it just seems like they're going all in on around Zach Levine. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, I guess you kind of have to, maybe, but you don't. I mean, maybe if they, if they trade Zach Levine and get some, like, really nice pieces back, then, honestly, it looks better to me. Like, this whole team looks better to me. Yeah, potentially. Not because Zach Levine's bad, but just because this it just doesn't make sense. This, I mean, how are you going to play Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan? And they gave DeRozan three years, right? This is not like a rental where it's like, just see how it goes. I mean, this is... They're tied to both of these, Dvucevic and DeRozan, so... Um, I mean, there's a reason that the Spurs bench lineups over the last few years have always been better. <laughs> I mean, DeRozan, as good as he is, you know, in the clutch at crunch time, no one can stop his mid-range shot, but that's not going to get you that far, and I think that he was a big reason why the Spurs haven't had good defenses over the last few years, frankly. Um, yeah. I, I will say this is probably the first time where... He can realistically be the third scoring option on the team and it not be, you know, terrible. I mean, he was the, clearly the number one scoring option in Toronto when he was there. He was the number one scoring option in San Antonio. Um, here, if he can be uh, just slightly lower volume and, you know, if he doesn't, if this, if the offensive burden is not completely on him, maybe he can be better. Maybe try shooting, shooting some catch-and-shoot threes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, I, I mean, it's not that this team's gonna be bad. Like this team's, I think this team's better. No question. Obviously, they yeah. got DeRozan, Crusoe, and, and Ball. But it's like, what is the end goal here? Like, you're you're a playing team for sure now. You weren't last year. Maybe. But are you gonna are you gonna win a first round series? No. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I feel confident saying no. <laughs> I don't even know if they're a playing team. Um, really? I mean, they probably oh. are. But I think the East is, like, deeper. It is, it is. It's deeper with mediocrity, at least, than it, than it has been in the past. Like, I think I think you're going to have eight teams, at least, that are 500 and above, which is a pretty low bar. But um, I think that might actually happen in the East this year. I mean, you have Milwaukee and the Nets, who are clearly the best two teams in the East. You have Philadelphia, um, who had the number one record in the league last year. Right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, and then you had Atlanta, who made the... Oh, sorry, no, no. Phil- in the, not in the league. Uh, uh, Utah and Phoenix. They were third. Oh, you're right, you're yeah. right. Yeah, so, sorry. Philadelphia, for a little while there, they, they were up there. But, yeah, so the, the best record in the East. Um, you have Atlanta, who, who's a young, nice team that I think is going to just improve. I mean, that's four teams already. And then you have the Celtics and Heat, uh, two teams that a lot of people like. You have Charlotte, who looked really good when, when Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball were, right. were really healthy. A lot of these teams you expect to get better. Yeah. Right. You had the Knicks, who were, um, were they the fourth? They were the they were the four or five seed last year. Yeah, uh, four seed. I think they're tied on record with the Hawks. But, right. Yeah. yeah, so they, I mean, they're the four seed. Do I think they're better than the Bulls? Not necessarily. Um, but, I mean, right there, that's already, you know, eight teams that potentially could finish and, the, and, I mean, everyone forgets, including myself, about Indiana. I mean, right, yeah. they're a pretty talented team. <laughs> no, they're a good team, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe maybe Cleveland improves or Detroit improves. Like, I don't think Washington's that's... still got Bradley Beal. I mean... Right. I mean, I don't think any of that is out of the question. Yeah. So, you know, I think the Bulls are better than a lot of the teams that I just mentioned. But I don't think it's inconceivable for them to finish below those teams, either. Um, except maybe Cleveland, uh, but we'll, we'll see how, how good Evan Mobley is. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they improved just not enough and I feel very similarly about New York, but, uh, um, 
yeah like well, I, I don't know what the what the ceiling is here it's not very high we'll we'll save new york for the next podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah why, why don't we why don't we do one more and then we'll take a break and then we, we can come back on the next podcast and discuss some more okay so uh i just did DeRozan. so you're up next um i want to talk about i, I want to pick which one i want to do on this podcast um but you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna talk about I, I, grace and allen I think this was just such an incredible audition, uh, addition for the Bucks, um, and you know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but he just gives you really, really good shooting. And another guard. I mean, it was clear that the Bucks needed another guard in the playoffs last year. They still won, but Pat Connaughton and Drew Holiday were your only two reliable guards in in after Dante Divincenzo got hurt. Um, so now all of a sudden you have uh, all of those guys, and then you add Grayson Allen and George Hill, and I think the Bucks got I think the Bucks on balance got a lot better this offseason. And even though they lost PJ Tucker, which sucked, they did gain another salary slot um, next year with with Grayson Allen. Uh, if they do decide to if they don't decide to extend him, then I really don't understand the trade. Um, which, you know, I could see happening. Unless you win another championship when we're, uh, and then we're complaining again about not extending Grayson Allen like sure. with P.J. Tucker. Sure. But I do think this also opens the door for the Bucks moving Dante DiVincenzo. They did want to move him last year uh, for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, so I could see them moving him this year, and I could see Grayson Allen starting for the Bucks yeah. and, and being in their crunch time lineups. Nice, nice defender, uh, good three-point shooter. Um, the Bucks now have the uh, three highest verticals amongst white men in the NBA, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is actually true. Uh, I, I would bet it. Yeah, I would bet on that. Grayson Allen has like a forty-inch vertical. He's very, he's very athletic. He looks like he's twelve, but he's very athletic. <laughs> uh, and he's sort of cleaned up his game a little bit. Um, you know, Wisconsin fans hate him, which I get it. I mean, he broke our hearts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he with Julie Oak for, but uh, you know, I really like the move. I think it's a great move for the Bucks, and like I said, I think they got better. They kept Bobby Portis, um, which was huge for them, absolutely yeah, massive. Absolutely, and you know, like I said, George Hill, another great addition to the team, and we'll see how their second round rookies turn out. I'm not super optimistic, mm-hmm. and they they barely gave up anything. I think that's the right. biggest thing, right? For sure. For for Grayson Allen, like we up... don't know if Sam Merrill is going to be a real NBA player. Right. Probably he, won't be. He could be, but, <laughs> but... I, you know, they they basically, you know, they 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 took the the, I mean, the fact that this all started with the DJ Augustine contract, which was awful. They signed DJ Augustine Augustine to a three year deal right. worth like what twenty one million seven yeah. million a year. They traded that to Houston for PJ Tucker. And they got they just moved down seven picks in the draft, right? And then they turned that pick into Grayson Allen. So they got PJ Tucker and a championship out of it, and then Grayson Allen and two rookies. So, um, yeah, all for all for DJ Augustine and two second round picks. <laughs> um, so you know what? I love it. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was a very good move. Didn't have to give up much at all. Grayson Allen can immediately go into rotation. Get more shooting around Giannis. Um, yeah, like you said, solid defender. And I do think that this, these moves do make the Bucks a better regular season team. I think that backup, uh, defense, like backup defense and backup guards were like definitely a liability for the Bucks last year. 
But I do, I am still just a little bit concerned about not having really a backup four to lean on right now. They did sign Semi Ojale, where you can see if he's uh, good defensively and can bring something to the team. But um, they might be weak at that spot, and Tucker was obviously huge to when they went to those switching lineups, um, and even when they didn't go to those switching lineups, just to, just to um, you know, muck things up, get offensive rebounds, and just play solid defense. So we'll see if they're a better playoff team, but I think they're certainly a better regular season team. I think I think Grayson Allen is a really good defender, and you have to remember PJ Tucker was replacing it too. I mean, against certain teams, you could still have Brooke Lopez on the floor, and against other teams, you could potentially have Bobby Portis at the four and Giannis at the five, um, or however you want to call it. Right. Um, and and we saw that that could work last year. I do agree; it, it is a little bit concerning, but I think honestly, PJ Tucker was just a zero on offense. Like he gave you nothing. Yeah, besides rebounding, offensive rebounding, right. if you consider that offense, yeah. which is, yeah. I mean, it's important, <laughs> yeah. but P.J. Tucker gave you nothing. Grayson Allen gives you a lot on offense, and he's a competent defender, so. Right. Um, and yeah. I think we've seen with a lot of shooters for the Bucks, they have shot well uh, in the regular season, but when defenses know who to key on, know who to leave open, um, you know, send their help in a very smart way, a lot of the three-point shooters the Bucks had haven't really shot that well in the playoffs and but you know Grayson Allen is a confident shooter very high volume I think if you go per 36 he's you know seven eight attempts Mm -hmm. he gets that many attempts up per 36 and um and he can take very deep ones too he's very dynamic shooter absolutely um not the same movement shooter Bryn Forbes was but in terms of um the distance that he can shoot at he's he's right up there with a lot of the catch and shoot guys in this league yeah, well, and honestly, I don't really want a movement shooter like Bryn Forbes. <laughs> I don't want him taking dumb shots. I want someone who just, you know, does his job. But, you know, I again, like, I think Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, um, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, and Giannis, like, that's a pretty good crunch time five. And if you want to swap Bobby Portis for Pat Connaughton, you can do that, too. Um, right. And I think, you know, you're pretty solid. It's funny because then I'm thinking you do get a little, like, small, but you're not actually getting that much smaller no, because not. P.J. Tucker is small, yeah. but he plays big, so. Right. And, and Chris Middleton, I think, can guard most stretch fours, I want to say. Like, not actual power forwards. I, I wouldn't put him there. But right. if you're playing against a team that has, you know, someone like Kevin Durant, you could put Chris Middleton on him. Um I mean, right. Kevin Durant's gonna he, he get did. He did guard him for several possessions and did a in that series and did a did a very respectable job. Right. As, I mean, as well of a job as he can. Yeah, Kevin Durant's gonna get his. Um, I do think this move is better, honestly, for the Nets. Even I know PJ Tucker guarded Kevin Durant. I mean, we shouldn't talk too much about the box, but um, <laughs> I know PJ Tucker guarded Kevin Durant. But I do think having that extra shooting option against the Nets will, will be huge this year. Uh, yeah, I. You know. It, it is hard to say that P.J. Tucker, like I, I think and we think and everyone who watched the game thinks that P.J. Tucker did a really good job against KD. I think it doesn't really show up in the numbers, obviously, because mm-hmm. Kevin Durant just absolutely torched the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But he did get him, he had a tough time getting to his spots. He took a lot of time off the shot clock and I think eventually wore him out when he was playing 48 minutes a game absolutely. or whatever. So. And I think Milwaukee is going to lose that a bit because I don't think they're going to be able to put Giannis on him for stretches. And like you said, Chris Middleton is fine, but I don't think he's going to bother Kevin Durant as much as P.J. Right. Tucker did. But maybe you're right. Maybe it does cancel out on offense. We will see. Absolutely. I think we're going to wrap it up for our first podcast, the first episode of Clear Out. 
like I said at the beginning of the show, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Clear Out Podcast and make sure you email us um, clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. Those two links will be in the description down below. We don't have a recording or upload schedule yet, but we are going to be trying to do this pretty consistently. We're going to be doing some season previews for every team in the NBA. But that is it for this one. Until next time, see you guys. Bye.